I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to another day of coffee, the Bible and Page. I'm Page. Here's my coffee. And we're going to be getting in the Bible here in a bit. We're going to take another run at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Yesterday, the internet betrayed me. Uh, and uh, we couldn't get our uh, signals set up. So, uh, just to set this up, Paul's writing to Timothy, ergo the title, Timothy. And Paul is in uh, Rome, and this is his uh, pastoral, one of his pastoral epistles. Timothy is his ap apostolic representative who is overseeing the churches uh, in Asia Minor. Timothy was apparently much younger than most of uh, the other church leaders at the time. So um, he might be a little bit intimidated by the who's who who came through Ephesus. Uh, people like Apollos, John the Apostle, all the other apostles. Our Latin chapter 2, he began talking a little bit about women in ministry. And today he's going to get a little bit more specific. He's going to talk uh, again, women are part of the subject, but he's going to talk about the qualifications for leadership, pastoral leadership, and also uh, leadership with deacons. It's kind of appropriate that this subject come up today, especially with the brouhaha that's been going on in uh, uh, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, that I've been reading about. Uh, there's a church in the Southern Baptist Convention who apparently has ordained some women into pastoral roles within the church. They're not lead pastors, but they are, they're calling them pastors over areas of ministry in the church. And the question today is, can a woman be a pastor? That's what they're fussing about. All right, so let's get started. Let's go to chapter three. Let me get to it here real quick. Chapter two. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now, the overseer is to be above reproach faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Now, first thing I want to bring up, these are traits that must be observed in this person's life. So this isn't just a quick rush to judgment and let's, let's make so-and-so an overseer. Um, he has to... Uh, be respectable. He has to be able to teach, meaning he should. they should take some time to watch him teach. He shouldn't be a lover of money. He must manage his family well and see his children obey him. It, this takes time. 
This isn't something you're going to do in a week. This isn't a week's examination. They, he must be observed managing his own family. So this, uh, to be an overseer, in Paul's estimation, is not an overnight thing. It's going to take some time. In Greek culture, the word overseer was used of a presiding official in a civic or religious organization. Here, it refers to a man who oversees a local congregation. We would call that man a pastor today. The equivalent word from the Jewish background of Christianity is elder. So the terms overseer and elder are often used interchangeably. The duties of an overseer were to teach and preach, to direct the affairs of the church, and to shepherd or pastor the flock of God, and to guard the church from error. Uh, in, a, in other words, the elder, overseer, pastor is the final arbiter in questions of doctrine and practice in a local church. Elders were called overseers, and they were told to pastor or shepherd the flock, demonstrating that the same church leaders could be called elders, overseers, or pastors. In today's wide range of denominational settings, all these titles are used in different places. Uh, you don't find elders, the title elders, in, a, in most Southern Baptist churches, for instance. Um, you find deacons and the pastor. Uh, in the Presbyterian fellowships, many of them, the pastor is the teaching elder. He is an elder among elders, and the elders govern the body. So the process of appointing an elder is not a quick thing. They should be part of an extended period of observation. The men must show through their lives the attributes listed in verses 2 through 7. So that's why you would probably never in Paul's day, see young men uh, becoming elders or pastors because there has to be a time of seasoning. There has to be a time of observation. They should show their faith over a long period of time. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging much wine and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience they must first be tested, and then if there's nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. Now, here, in this particular paragraph, he's not mentioning men. He just mentioned this category called deacons. They are every bit as seasoned and mature as elders. They must know the deep truths of the faith, and they must hold on to them. So it isn't just a matter of book learning. Again, their lives should demonstrate a protracted relationship with the God of the universe. This points again to an extended period of observation as well. The men and women must show through their lives the attributes of eight and nine. Now, this next verse, there's a couple different ways to translate it. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. The, the world is divided on exactly what Paul is saying here. These, these could be deacons' wives, or they could be women who are deacons. Now, women can be deacons. There's We're going to see something here. Let's see. Let me find an article over here. Hang on a second. There we are. Deaconesses in the first century. Uh, the verse we just read, Paul's statement 311. Um, some people say that these are wiser deacons. 
And he says that it does seem odd that the wives of a church officer must also have certain qualifications if they themselves don't serve in that office. And we must ask why deacons' wives have to be respectable, temperate. But the wives of overseers go unmentioned. He doesn't talk about the wives of the overseers. He talks about deacons and women. So the interpretation in 3.11 takes this deaconesses, takes this word translated deacon, as female deacons who serve alongside males. This would explain why Paul mentions them in the midst of his list of deacon qualifications. The absence of a reference to women in the overseer section is now explicable. Paul is not legislating the qualifications of the wives of church officers, but of female deacons. If this is so, why didn't Paul simply clear up the matters by saying deaconesses in 3.11 instead of the more ambiguous women? The answer is that Greek did not have a separate word for deaconesses at the time, a feminine form of that word. The same Greek word diakonos was used to refer to either male or female deacons. In other words, Paul had no real choice, so his use of women was as clear as anything to designate women deacons. So Paul says that there are women deacons. Uh, and then here's something else, another article I found. Pliny the Younger in AD 110 reported to the Emperor Trajan that he has examined Christians in his province of Bithynia to discover the nature of their presumed criminal activities and only found a harmless cult. He continues, This made me decide it was all the more necessary to extract the truth by torture from two slave women whom they called deaconesses. We should note first these women were slaves, and it was customary for Roman officials to interrogate slaves, but not others under torture. The women were called deaconesses by the Christians. That was what the Christians entitled them. In other words, this seems to be an official title, not a generic reference to their being servants of some sort. So this suggests that the church had female deacon, deacons within 40 or 50 years of the writing of 1 Timothy. Perhaps women like Phoebe, a servant, a deacon of the church in Sencria. So, uh, let's see if there's anything else that's more important here. Uh, the commendation of Phoebe as a visitor of Secretary to Rome includes a normal masculine team, term deacon, along with high praise that she is a helper of many, including Paul. With no mention of her husband and the language of patronage, it seems unlikely that a general ministry or servant is in view. More likely is that she is here titled as a deacon of the church in Sancria. If that's right, then it would fit that Paul intends women as deacons in 1 Timothy 3.11. All right, so there's, there's lots of uh, extant uh, evidence that women can serve as deacons. But Paul doesn't give that same latitude when it comes to overseers or pastors or elders. Uh, a deacon must be, then he come, returns to the conversation, and he's talking about male deacons, obviously, here, because a deacon must be faithful to his wife, must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. And you see up here a reference here in Romans 16, 1, uh, where Phoebe, again, is mentioned as a deacon of the church in Sencria. Now, although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you the instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. So what do we know so far? 
Well, we know what an elder is supposed to look like and act like. We've discovered what deacons are supposed to look like and act like. Elders, pretty much men only. Deaconesses, men or women. Beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. So, Paul wants the church at Ephesus to behave. They didn't have the same issues to the same extent that the Corinthian church did, but there are some issues with Gnostic doctrine that Paul has addressed, and here he's addressing the offices within the church. When the, when the church is organized, a local church is organized and comes together, these are the things you should see. There should be elders. There should be deacons. Elders slash pastors slash overseers. Uh, they are the doctrine setters, the final arbiter of questions of doctrine and truth in the local body. There isn't a uh, an association of churches among themselves like we have in the Southern Baptist Convention today. But there was a loose association in the fact that uh, you have the local pastors, and then you have someone like Timothy, who's an apostolic representative, and then over him you have the apostle himself, Paul. So there's like a three-tiered uh, governance. Paul the Apostle, his apostolic representative, Timothy, and then you have the local pastors. And so Timothy is placed in charge of, of monitoring and working with all the churches in Asia Minor that were underneath Paul. So we do see the beginning of a, a tiered level of church governance um, that's between then and now has turned into something rather amazing and huge and complicated sometimes. Uh, in the Southern Baptist world, of which I'm a part at the moment, um, every church is autonomous and they voluntarily come together to make decisions that will affect all of the churches. Uh, that's what the Southern Baptist Convention is all about. And almost every denomination I know has some kind of national governing body that uh, oversees much of what the local churches do. Uh, in our in our tradition, uh, all the churches pool their money, send it to the Southern Baptist Convention, and they take this huge sum of money and do things with it, with you know, pay for missionaries, uh, help build churches, help plant churches. Um, so they they come together as a group to pool resources to get things done. But in the New Testament, I don't see a lot of that. I know Paul went around to different churches collecting money to take back to help the poor people in Jerusalem. That was kind of cool. But there's no cohesive organization beyond Paul's the apostle. He gives authority to Timothy, who oversees the churches. And in the churches, you have overseers, men only, deacons or deaconesses. Now, they don't say if there's any difference in function between male and female deaconesses, deacons or deaconesses in Paul's letters. They all, he just mentions deacons and this is what their, this is what their attributes should be. Um, I know in, with by the end of the third century, female deacons dealt primarily with children and women 
and male deacons dealt with men. I don't see any of that happening in Paul's century. Uh, deacons and deaconesses both had the same job title. They were servants of the church, and they both had to have uh, knowledge, deep knowledge of the scripture. Uh, they both had to have high standards of morality and behavior. So uh, there seems to be some leniency with deaconesses, but not with pastors. I don't see Paul, I don't know if Paul would give his thumbs up to the church in the Southern Baptist Convention that has appointed female pastors. Now, if these female pastors are just leaders of local uh, of ministries within the church, maybe it's just a matter of that title that I have a problem with. But a pastor is a final arbiter of scripture and doctrine. And I think I don't see Paul handing that off to a woman. There's a lot I don't know. And there's a lot that still puzzles me. And I'm open to discussion on this matter. All righty. Short chapter, short devotion. I'm glad Facebook let me do it. Uh, there will... Be, I think I'll probably do 1 Timothy chapter 4 tomorrow. Tomorrow will be Saturday. Um, or I might do a wrap-up Saturday and just pick up with Timothy 4 on Monday. Don't know. Stay tuned. In any, in any words, in any words, in other words, here's my coffee. I'm Paige. I'm out of here. Bye-bye.